Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort style amenities, and high quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at BrightviewSeniorLiving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, you know, ever so often I get pretty excited to have conversations about things that, guess what, I don't really know about. (laughs) And why do I think that that's important? One, I think it's important to continue to be students and learn um, about issues that affect our daily lives. And also one to just, you know, I want to share with you all of the ways in which I am learning over time how much like we are being screwed in so many different ways. And it's actually really wild. So on today's show, I sit down with Brendan Ballou, who is the author of the book Plunder, Private Equity's Plan to Pillage America. And Brendan and I, you know, I tell him at the start of the interview, I said, look, you know, give me a 101 class in private equity. And, you know, he gives a wonderful description and lowdown of 50,000 foot view of what private equity is. But then we talk about the ways that private equity has been essentially targeting low income and black and brown communities. And basically, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, pillage is absolutely the right word that Brendan uses to describe his book. And that is exactly what they are. They are private equity, are vultures that go into low income communities. They take over services and industries that are desperately needed by people with little income, they then basically turn those businesses and services into trash, cause a lot of harm, and then because they are private equity firms, guess who doesn't have the ability to sue? The people. 
And so it's just another way in which we think, for instance, when you're putting, let's say, a loved one in a nursing home and you think that if something goes wrong, if they were to slip, if they were to, God forbid, die, that then you can go ahead and sue that nursing home. Well, that nursing home has now been bought over by a private equity firm that has no liability whatsoever. And also don't need to tell you that it's been bought by a private equity firm. They did this after the foreclosure crisis, right? Go in and gobble up a bunch of low-income housing, drive up the costs. Like, it's just, this interview was so eye-opening and just so disturbing. So I hope that you gain as much insight and information as I did Coming up next, my conversation with Brendan Ballou, the author of Plunder, Private Equity's Plan to Pillage America. Folks, I am very excited to welcome to Woke AF Daily Brendan Ballou, who is the author of Plunder, Private Equity's Plan to Pillage America. Um... You basically are the authority on private equity. Um, and I want to understand, because <laughs> I will tell my listeners, it was like I was the kid that I think that was took statistics because I had to, took economics because I had to, because of my um because of my degree in politics, uh, not because I understood anything about business uh or math. So please. Brendan, give us a 50,000-foot view, a 101 explainer on what private equity is. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I really appreciate the chance to answer this question because I didn't know the answer to it before I started this project. So I was in the exact same boat as you were. And I should give a standard disclaimer. I, I work for the government, but I'm speaking in a purely personal capacity. So what is private equity? Um, private equity is a term that I'm sure you've heard of. I'm sure most of your listeners have heard of. But if we're honest, probably a lot of us don't actually know what it is. Um, the basic idea behind private equity is very simple. Uh, so private equity firms use a little bit of their own money, uh, some investor money, and a whole lot of borrowed money to buy up companies. Uh, they then try to make financial or operational changes to those companies uh, with the aim of selling it for a profit a few years later. So that is a very simple idea, and yet um, it has had extraordinary consequences uh, for the entire economy. Last year, or in 2022, I don't think we've gotten the statistics for 2023 yet, uh, private equity firms spent over a trillion dollars buying up companies uh, in the United States. And for comparison, the entire U.S. GDP is about $25 trillion. So we're talking about a not insubstantial part of the economy. Um, you know, if you, uh, you know, went to the veterinarian, went to the OBGYN, uh, you know, needed to get an ambulance or needed to rent an apartment, there is a good chance that you ultimately paid a private equity firm. And just as you are seeing bad consequences in veterinary care, in medical care, in the housing market, at least part of those problems, I would argue, are the consequence of private equity and the unique problems that that business model has, which I'm happy to get into. So let's talk about this for a moment, because there 
are a couple of things that are coming to mind. And I think that one of them is a lawsuit that I'm remembering that came up following the height of the pandemic, uh, where nursing homes um, in New York, where I am, uh, were found to have, uh, oh, I don't know, covered up the number, the number of deaths, the the uh, of of COVID, uh, COVID related deaths in New York in the nursing homes. Then come to find out, like a little bit down in the article, is that these nursing homes uh, were being run by private equity firms and not by who we thought that they were going to be. And so when I think about private equity, I think about the fine print um, that we all just kind of scroll down, whether it's um, I'm purchasing something or I'm looking at my credit card statement that says, do you agree? And I'm like, yes, because I don't have the seven days it's going to take me, nor the degrees in order to understand uh, what I'm agreeing to in the fine print. And so talk to us how it is that these private equity firms can buy up places that we use on a regular basis, services, companies that are providing services that we use on a daily basis, but we don't actually know that the people who are in charge know what the hell that they're doing other than making money. Uh, it's a great question, and it's a complicated question, or the answer has is, is complicated. So let's talk about the the example that you started with, which is nursing homes. So there's no good or no definitive sort of statistics on this, but I've seen estimates that private equity firms own between 10 and 15% of the entire nursing home industry. And the consequences have been um, often disastrous. Um, according to one study, there have been uh, tens of thousands of premature deaths at nursing homes because of private equity ownership. Um, we've seen lots of anecdotal cases of private equity firms buying up a business or buying up a nursing home and then uh, patient care suffering, uh, you know, health complaints rising, complaints about rodents and vermin in nursing homes and people dying. The basic problem that we've got is it is very hard to hold private equity firms responsible for the consequences of their actions. And I think this is an important point because it helps to explain why private equity firms are different than many other kinds of companies. So if a nursing home was owned by a public company um, and somebody dies there, the family of that resident or the estate of that resident could generally sue the parent company. It would be very easy to figure out who owns it and it would be very easy comparatively to hold them responsible. That's not necessarily true for private equity firms because of their ownership structures where they advise what are called funds that are owned by quote unquote limited partners that then own assets through several shell companies. It can be hard to figure out even to your point, whether a private equity firm owns a business. And then even if you can figure that out to hold them legally responsible for the actions of that business. And so you have a business model where private equity firms can often benefit if things go well at a nursing home, at any other kind of business, but walk away legally or financially uh, if things go poorly. And at the risk of going on uh, for a long time for your fairly you know, straightforward question, um, you mentioned the fine print. One of the things that I think private equity firms have been extraordinarily good at is identifying the fine print 
that's going to benefit them the most. Um, so to stick on the example of nursing homes, yeah, um, private equity firms were uh, have often put in forced arbitration clauses into contracts uh, to be admitted into a nursing home. So if you go to a nursing home, they would you know require you to sign an agreement saying you couldn't you know bring a suit uh, if somebody you know if something happens to you at this nursing home. Um, there was rulemaking under the Obama administration to try to throw that, get that away. That was enjoined. The Trump administration did a significantly less ambitious rule. All of which is to say that I think oftentimes private equity executives aren't necessarily that good at running a business, but they are really good at identifying and developing the fine print uh, that you mentioned. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Hey, Doug Gottlieb here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making the now perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines the raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true with new available tech. This legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out the amazing national sales event deals. When you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota let's go places. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. So now I, I want to go into to your book where you talk about, you know, the pillaging that is happening in, you know, in America by private equity firms. What do you mean by that? Is it is it that one, we don't really understand what what it is that we're consuming and who we're consuming it from. Right. Um, we as consumers don't have the ability then if something were to go wrong, if let's stick with the nursing home, if a loved one were to prematurely pass away, that there is no real recourse that we can take. But we didn't know that when we placed our loved one into this facility, right? We just assumed that they knew how to provide care, that it was going to be the best care that we could afford, and that if something terrible were to happen, then they would be held liable. Well, it's kind of all of the above. Um, so I think let me give the general answer and then I'll get into the specifics. So 
when I talk about the flaws of the private equity business model, I really am talking about three things. One is that private equity firms tend to buy up businesses and hold them for just a few years. And you know, if you own a business for just a few years, that changes your perspective on it. It changes whether you're going to invest in your employees and your infrastructure, if you're going to treat your customers and your patients well. Um, that's problem one. Problem two is that private equity firms tend to load up companies with a lot of debt and extract mm. a lot of fees. And so you might have a business that was functional, a functional nursing home, a functional you know, um, doctor's clinic. But suddenly there's so much debt that the business has to pay off, has to service, that it can't invest in its future, in its operations, in its employees. And then the third thing is what we were just talking about and what you alluded to in your question, which is insulation from liability, mm -hmm. where private equity firms can typically capture the financial upside if things go well, and then walk away if they don't. And let me give you sort of one concrete example here, which is one that I, I really sticks with me, I've used many times, is uh, the private equity acquisition of Friendly's, which was this diner chain in the Northeast. Oh, and I, I have one. I had one growing up in my in my community. It's actually still there. Please. Okay, go good. Yeah. Well, so Unfortunately, it is one of the rare ones that is still there because I believe in 2007, uh, Sun Capital bought up the diner chain, um, executed a bunch of fairly standard tactics in the private equity playbook, executed layoffs and so forth, ultimately pushed the company into bankruptcy. Um, but in bankruptcy, um, it was able to execute this really weird tactic where it sold the company from itself to itself, which sounds like something that only lawyers could make up. Um, but it was this complicated transaction, sells itself from itself to itself, emerges from bankruptcy. And the reason that it does that is by executing this transaction, it's able to push the pension obligations that it had uh, to employees and retirees uh, onto what's called the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, which is this separate quasi-governmental organization. And suddenly, the private equity firm was able to continue to control this business without any of those obligations that it had to employees uh, and to retirees. And I think that's an example of where private equity firms, again, may or may not be that great at running a business. Like I said, many, if not most, friendlies diners, unfortunately, have closed mm -hmm. down now. Um, but are really good at understanding sort of the gaps or sort of holes in the law that allow them to essentially capture benefit when things go well, walk away when things go poorly. So tell me what position does, so a company ideally then that is being acquired by a private equity firm needs to be in dire straits, right? It's a good question. Oftentimes that's the case. Um, but the interesting thing is oftentimes um, healthy companies get sold to private equity firms. And sometimes that works well. You know, success builds on success. The private equity firm sells the business off and it succeeds wonderfully. Um, but oftentimes it doesn't. Uh, there's a really interesting study out there that says that companies that are bought by private equity firms are 10 times as likely to go bankrupt as companies that aren't. And the interesting thing is that the economists that did that study controlled for exactly the question that you were asking, which is, are private equity firms just buying up distressed businesses? And they looked at a comparative set of businesses, you know, of various levels of size and health and so forth, and said, no, this, this is robust 
sort of across the kinds of businesses that private equity firms buy. So it's not just that private equity firms, you know, sort of are attracted to sort of the most failing companies. It's that private equity ownership, at least sometimes, uh, can cause those businesses to fail. So you're not here as you're in your government capacity. But let me ask you this question. Then where does government come in? Because if it is seemingly right, like we're told, oh, the private, well, let's say this. Republicans tell us that the privatization of everything is going to be what saves us all. And we all know that not to be true. Oh, their whole idea is to shrink government. Government is big. Government is bad. It controls your life. Yada, yada, yada. You shrink it. You get rid of it. You privatize everything and everyone wins, except everyone doesn't win. It's the people that are the shareholders. It is the CEOs that win. Everyone else who are workers of the working class, which I believe is everyone else, doesn't. And so I ask then, where does government come in to regulate these entities that are actually not providing anything other than benefits to themselves to make more money and to do so without having any risk whatsoever? And the interesting thing is um, private equity firms are in some places actually taking over the role of government, um, at least in some services. So uh, KKR did a bunch of joint partnerships or several joint partnerships to take over municipal water services. Uh, Private equity firms have gotten extremely interested in the higher education business, um, you know, investing in for-profit colleges, and have also taken over increasing parts of our prison system, um, buying up businesses like prison healthcare companies, prison commissaries and cafeterias. In prison phone companies. So it's it's an interesting intersection where private equity firms are actually somewhat taking over um, some aspects that we traditionally reserve for government. In terms of what the government role should be, um, I think it ultimately goes back to the basic problems that I was talking about, where private equity firms invest for the short term, load companies up with a lot of debt and fees, insulate themselves from liability. If you can solve those problems, private equity can become a much less destructive, it can become a productive part of our financial system. Mm -hmm. The question is, how do you get there? Um, And I've laid out, there are a lot of things that can be done at the federal level in terms of regulation at the SEC and Treasury Department, Federal Reserve and so forth, you know, sort of in the weeds, banking regulation and so forth. But there's also a lot that states and localities can do here. Um, to rein in or ban sort of the most abusive tactics that private equity firms engage in. So I think that understandably activists often look to the federal government to Mm -hmm. provide the answer here, but there's actually a lot that can be done right in our own communities to try to protect local businesses and prevent them from being pillaged. I mean, because honestly, when I think about it and I, and I, you know, your, your book is really helpful in terms of helping regular people understand what is happening. But even in just the businesses that you laid out that private equity has taken control of are, what's the word that I want to use that I'm struggling to use? Um, You know, are the shit ones, are the ones that absolutely take advantage of people when you're talking about prison healthcare, when you're talking about municipalities and their water system. The only thing that came to my mind was Jackson, Mississippi, and Flint, Michigan, and other places where you go in again. And this is why I asked about, is it the fact that they look for places, businesses, and cities and areas Mm. that are already 
problem areas, right? Which largely are those areas in businesses and in communities that have a high population of black and brown people. Do you know what I'm saying? And so there seems to be this affinity for these entities to go after um, populations and places that they can abuse <laughs> and that people won't notice. You know, one of the things that sort of surprised me in researching this, and I think it gets to your question, is I always sort of assumed that if you're in the business of making money, you go to businesses that service wealthy people because that's where mm -hmm. the money is. No. Um, Exactly. And, and you know, oftentimes private equity firms, I think, are attracted to the exact opposite. You know, we mentioned prison services and for-profit colleges and so forth. I'd add mobile home parks to that, um, where private equity firms have found real success in large part because you have um, captive audiences, in some places literally captive audiences, uh, that don't have an alternative. And so in those situations, some firms have found real success by raising prices, cutting the quality of care, because they know that there really is an alternative for the clientele. So I think, I think it's a really interesting or you know, concerning issue in that um, the people who are often affected the most by this business model or the flaws of the business model are the ones that are least able to do something about it. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Private equity needs to be regulated. And so I'm confused, I guess, in where where the benefit is. So you, you use the, you know, the Obama administration versus the Trump administration. And, and let's look at those two, because the fact is, right, that, you know, Obama, whom I love, did not do well in terms of dealing with the banking crisis, in terms of providing 
those people that caused a series of foreclosures around this country for people to lose their jobs and all of these things and given out to banks that were too big to fail, right? Given out to industry, too big to fail, right? Put the burden on the people. Then you have Donald Trump, right, who could care less about the people and is all about cutting deals and favors for his friends and, you know, and tax cuts and the like. What I'm saying is that there's not a real seeming big difference between who is doing right by the people as it pertains to private equity, to corporations and the regulations that are necessary so that people, consumers, like know what they're getting into and also have the ability to understand how they're being taken advantage of. It's like there doesn't seem to be one way or the other. And you tell me that I'm wrong. An administration or party that doesn't get some type of advantage, right? Because the advantage, obviously, for them is either money or what have you. I just, I'm confused about who is actually fighting for the people. Well, the interesting thing is, or maybe it's the, the unsurprising thing, is the people that are fighting the, for the people are the people. Are the um, people. Where I've seen sort of the biggest success in terms of reining in or sort of addressing the problems of the private equity business model has come from activists um, who have focused on very specific issues. Um, you know, when you talk about private equity in the abstract, not only is it often kind of boring, um, it's kind of overwhelming. You know, it, it seems like a problem too big to sort of tackle head on. Where I think there's been real success has been looking at specific issues. So we were talking about prisons earlier. Um, the advocacy work done to rein in the cost of prison phone calls done by a handful of activists. Right. Yep. Enormously successful. You know, mm -hmm. as you know, you know, started with sort of local legislation in cities, then there was state level legislation. Finally, legislation was passed in Congress to address this, which is just extraordinary growth and success. So that's one area. I think nursing homes have been mm. another area of success in that for the first time, there's federal rulemaking to establish minimum nursing home staffing criteria. You know, that's the work of activists uh, to make this happen. So I think, you know, I don't want to be overly optimistic or Pollyanna-ish about this, but I do think that when people pick specific issues where private equity is active um, and stick with it, I think they can succeed because we've seen examples of success in the recent past. Well, tell me this as last question for you, Brendan. What would sweeping change look mm. like as opposed to siloed change industry by industry? So I think it ultimately boils down to, I've, I've mentioned those basic problems with the business model. I think if you had to pick one, it would probably be this insulation from liability that private equity firms can often direct the operations of businesses, but walk away if uh, things go badly. If you can change that um, and hold private equity firms responsible for the consequences of their actions, then you're going to have a situation where private equity firms have to act responsibly because if they don't, they're going to lose mm -hmm. a bunch of money. Congress could take action on that. Regulators can to a certain extent, but I think a lot of that action is going to happen in city councils and in state legislatures over the next few years. And if there's the energy to do that, I think 
sort of the worst excesses of the private equity business model can get curbed. Well, Brendan, I, I thank you so much, one, for the, the 101 class in, in private equity and, and for this book. Folks, the book is entitled Plunder, Private Equity's Plan to Pillage America. I think it is absolutely worth the read and understanding all of the ways that, you know, unbeknownst to many of us, we're being taken advantage of and what we can do to stop it. Brennan, thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Thank you. That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 